Are you ready? Let me say it first. You repeat it after me. John. My name is Tim Lemire, and I love the Beatles. I also love language. I'm a writer, editor, and author, so language is my livelihood. Why not make a podcast where I use the Beatles' music to talk about the English language? This is the Beatles' English. Episode 11, Savoy Truffle. Welcome back to the Beatles' English podcast, where so far... I've tried to strike a balance between songs by John Lennon and songs by Paul McCartney. But today, we're breaking from that to give due diligence to George Harrison and his song Savoy Truffle, which appears on side four of the eponymous double album The Beatles, popularly known as The White Album. This song of George's, which is about a sampler of chocolates, is appropriate for an album that is itself a sampler, of different musical styles. In fact, if George had written this song two years earlier, in 1966, I don't think it would have been out of place on the Beatles' album Revolver. I chose Savoy Truffle for this episode not because I think it's one of George's better songs. The best thing about it, I think, is its instrumentation, that piercing guitar solo and those fat saxophones but because we're talking about the English language in this podcast, and the subject of this song, Candy and Sweets, is rich with material. First, a little background. George Harrison reportedly was inspired to write this song after spending some time at the house of his new friend, Eric Clapton, and witnessing Clapton's formidable appetite for a box of chocolates. This song was George's gentle way of telling his friend, careful, don't eat too many sweets. As charming as it may sound that a guitar rock god should have a weakness for candy, that belied a deeper problem for Eric Clapton. In the late 1990s, Clapton was profiled by the news program 60 Minutes, and he told interviewer Ed Bradley that his problems of addiction to drugs and alcohol did not begin with heroin. They began, he said, with sugar, which he ate voraciously when he was a child. I became addicted to sugar, he told Bradley, because it changed the way I felt. I remember so well watching television and hearing Clapton say that. I was in my mid-thirties then, and somehow I'd never drawn the connection in my own life between eating sweet things and feeling bored, restless, lonely, or sad. Perhaps appropriately, then, the song Savoy Truffle is in a minor key. E minor, to be exact. Much like how John Lennon lifted words and phrases off an antique circus poster for his song Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite, see episode three of this podcast, George Harrison was inspired by the label on a box of chocolates. Coffee dessert, George sings. Yes, you know it's good news. Now that is a play on words. 
In England, a popular brand of chocolates, comparable, I'd say, to the Whitman sampler, is the Good News sampler by a company called Macintosh. As with so many things, you can Google this and see that the label on this box of chocolates does indeed contain a treat called Savoy Truffle, along with cream tangerine, coffee dessert, ginger sling, and Montelimar. Montelimar is a city in southeastern France, and they are renowned for their nougat, which is a confection made with sugar or honey, egg whites, nuts, and sometimes fruit. I confess, as a typical American, I have never had nougat outside of a Snickers bar. I'm more than willing to believe that nougat from Montelimar is another experience entirely. This episode about Savoy truffle is not going to be about grammar or usage. Instead, we're going to concentrate on etymology, the history of words and what they mean. I think one of the best ways to introduce people, especially young people, into the fascinating aspects of language is etymology. So let's begin with a word in the song title, truffle. Before I did the research for this podcast episode, I knew two things about truffles. I knew about chocolate truffles. Those are the small, round chocolate treats, usually coated on the outside with cocoa powder, or sometimes coconut or chocolate sprinkles, and inside is a center that's creamy and chocolatey. Mm. I also knew that truffles are very expensive, that they're used in fine cuisines, and that pigs dig them up in the forest. Somehow, though, I never stopped to wonder, what's the connection? If truffles are so expensive, how come I can get a box of chocolate truffles in the store for about $9? Well, here we get into an area of language that is mined for comedy in the Monty Python skit Crunchy Frog, which is also about a box of chocolates, the Wizzo Quality Assortment. In that skit, the police the hygiene squad, investigate Wizzo chocolates for disguising horrible ingredients in their chocolates with language that is overflowing with pleasant descriptions. So if there are no truffles in chocolate truffles, why are they called that? It's because when chocolate truffles were invented, and they're credited to the French in the late 19th century, they were called truffles for their purported resemblance to the truffle fungus that can be small and have a dark center. As for the word truffle itself, its etymology is a little uncertain. It may be related to the plural of the Latin word for tuber, an edible root. That would be tubera, which in Old Provençal French is truffa. Naming a chocolate after a relatively rare and exotic ingredient in fine cuisine certainly makes the chocolate treat sound more refined and expensive. Is the Savoy truffle from Savoy, the region in Europe shared by Italy, Switzerland, and France? Mm, I don't know, but I'm going to guess not. But calling it that certainly makes the treat sound European and refined. The French and Swiss, after all, know a little something about good chocolate. 
It's a funny coincidence that George Harrison should contribute a song to the White Album called Savoy Truffle and also a song called Piggies, which are used to hunt for truffles. Now, why pigs? Well, believe it or not, pigs have an outstanding sense of smell, and truffles contain androstenol, which is a hormone found in the saliva of male pigs. So, female pigs are traditionally used to hunt for truffles. Although, according to one online resource I found, once a pig finds a truffle, they like to eat them, so it can be very difficult to get it out of their mouths. That's why other hunters use dogs to hunt for truffles, who also have a good sense of smell, and they're easier to transport to the woods in a car than a large pig. Another line from Savoy Truffle is, Coconut fudge really blows down those blues. This is an interesting line for a couple of reasons. On first listen, it suggests that fudge is a great way to cheer yourself up, to shake off the blues. It may not be George Harrison's intention, but blues are also a nickname for pills. I've seen blues used to describe both amphetamines as well as barbiturates, which have the opposite effect as amphetamines. So you could read this line as a way of saying, sweets are better than pills. Fudge blows down the blues. Sweet things are a better high than pills. Those Beatles, always with the drug references. Maybe. I'm also interested in the word fudge. Now that is a word that to children means something good, something yummy. But to adults, to fudge something means to cut corners, perhaps falsify things a little bit, just to get it through the process. We talk, for example, about fudging the numbers. In middle school, I used to have an algebra teacher who referred to the fudge factor. That was his term for when a student who was trying to explain how they solved the problem kind of glossed over and hurried through certain parts of the explanation. The fudge factor. Adults also say as an interjection, oh, fudge, as an alternative to saying, oh, darn, or oh, something else. So what's the connection? Why associate good things with fudge the confection, but bad things with fudging the numbers? I think we need to talk first about what fudge is and how you make it. One of the reasons for the popularity of fudge is that you don't need very many ingredients and you don't need special equipment, although you probably would do well to have a sugar thermometer. Fudge is a combination of sugar, butter, and milk, which you heat to a certain temperature and then beat to achieve a particular texture and consistency. You must do this with precision because you're controlling the crystallization of sugar. In the middle ground between making fondant and caramel is fudge. Now, one theory as to the origin of the name fudge is that the candy was made by accident, that someone trying to make caramel instead achieved a different crystallization of sugar and a different consistency that turned out to be very yummy, so they called it fudge. 
History suggests that fudge was invented in late 19th century America on the campuses of colleges for women, such as Vassar, Smith, and Wellesley. Since making fudge doesn't require that many ingredients or expensive equipment, one can easily imagine college students trying to improvise or concoct a sweet treat, and perhaps doing it clumsily or inelegantly and making mistakes along the way. What to call the treat that arose from such efforts? Fudge feels right. Prior to that, the word fudge did exist, and it was used to mean lies or a made-up story. Someone might tell you a tall tale or a phony excuse for something, and you'd say, fudge, or oh, fudge, as a way of indicating that you don't believe them. But why did people say that? There was a late 17th century sea captain with the surname Fudge, Captain Fudge, and he was not known for his fidelity to the truth. Perhaps like many travelers or adventurers, he embellished the facts, or just plain lied. That gave rise to sailors exclaiming, Fudge, when they heard something that they did not believe. Another theory is that exclaiming Fudge when you hear nonsense or lies, comes from a German exclamation of contempt. Futsch, F-U-T-S-C-H, meaning begone. There is also a record of a 16th century verb that is no longer in use. To fadge something meant to make something fit in a clumsy manner, or to contrive without necessary materials. Well, however you say it, spell it, or make it, I will take peanut butter fudge over chocolate fudge or coconut fudge any day of the week, just so you know. Okay, trivia time. And this time, we have several trivia questions. Are you ready? The song Savoy Truffle is all about a box of chocolates, but it does not mention the word chocolate. Only one other Beatles song does. Which one? Now, while you're thinking about that, a brief word that my name is Tim Lemire. You can find episodes of The Beatles English on Apple Podcasts and on my website at timlemire.com, where you'll also find more information about me. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. That helps other Beatle people to find it. The answer is The Ballad of John and Yoko, which has the line, Eating chocolate cake in a bag. Which, if you're familiar with John and Yoko's art concept known as bagism, you know that John is not eating chocolate cake contained in a bag, but is rather in a bag himself eating chocolate cake. Uh, it was the 1960s, folks. Here's our second question. The song Savoy Truffle mentions several fruits, tangerine, pineapple, cherry, apple, and coconut. And yes, a coconut is a fruit, a nut, and a seed. For our purposes, let's call it a fruit. Now that is a lot of fruit in one song. Name the one other Beatles song that mentions the name of a fruit. Ready? 
altogether now mentions orange. I know they're talking about the color, but that is the name. <laughs> that is the name. Mentions the name of a fruit. Not mentions a fruit. Mentions the name. All right, next question. Last one. No fewer than nine songs recorded by the Beatles have lyrics that mention the name of a particular food. Nine songs, not just in the title, but in the lyrics, mention the name of a kind of food. What's the food? I'll give you a hint. It's something sweet. The answer is honey. A taste of honey. Back in the USSR, honey don't, honey pie, wild honey pie, matchbox, one after 909, everybody's trying to be my baby, and twist and shout. Yes, twist and shout. That one surprised me. But if you listen close at 24 seconds in, John sings, well, work it on out, honey. And yes, the ballad of John and Yoko does mention honeymooning, but come on, we're talking about honey. We're talking about the Beatles. <laughs> I hope you will join me again to talk about the English language and the Beatles, two of my favorite topics. And remember also to brush and floss people. And tune in again next time. My name is Tim Lemire, and this is The Beatles English. <laughs>